Welcome in. It is Sunday night. We're, t- we're stepping away from the television where there's playoff football action going to come to you with another podcast. The RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. That's We are men of the people, I tell you. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a tough day in uh, in Dallas. Uh, I was at a very uh, sad oh. bar earlier today. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. What a day. But as you said, we are uh, leaving the gridiron and focus on the hardwood because we do it for the people. Well, let's jump right into action. We're going to get into the biggest games of the week. And then we're going to give our best bets at the end. And let's start with what I think is the best game going in in the next week. And it's going to be bright and early. So I hope if you listen to this podcast, I hope you listen to it first thing when it comes out. Because it's it's Monday morning. Purdue at Illinois. We're going to project Illinois as about a three-point favorite here. What do you think, Griff? Huh, well, um, you're right. Heavyweight matchup if i was a little bit more into boxing i probably would be able to uh say a little bit more of them compare it to to heavyweight boxing matches from the past that might be a little bit more up your alley um but i'm really looking forward to it i mean uh as we were just talking before the podcast i think it's a holiday for a lot of people uh not for either of us but um i'm gonna try to schedule some meetings uh with myself to watch this one as i'm really looking forward to it um Illinois, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, I feel like Purdue has kind of fallen a little bit to the wayside recently, so I'll start with them. It's going to be an incredible matchup inside uh, with the bigs. Uh, Kofi Coburn, who is really hard to defend because he's bigger than everyone and has looked like he could actually pass out to shooters this year. And Illinois has done a great job in the transfer market, adding plumbers. You you talked about a lot on our, I think, preseason show. Um and ultimately, I'm, I'm curious to see how Purdue is going to handle that because they do. They're one of the few teams in the nation with big guys and two of them that can match up and probably not require double teams on Kofi Coburn. So um, with that said, I think that kind of paints a picture like I'm, I'm interested in Purdue and maybe leaning in that direction. Um, but I think based on, on on a projection, like maybe in the, the full possession, you said you said minus three. Yeah, we're going to go with three. Three, yeah, you know, I think I'm leaning Illinois based on the home crowd. Um, I do think it's a weird setup in, in the afternoon, but ultimately, uh, like a holiday for most people, I think that's going to be a pretty packed house, uh, and every tick that that you could want is going to be there. So I like Illinois. Um, and go ahead. Well, you're going to like Illinois more because as I look at it, I just pulled up the numbers. Illinois, because it's Monday morning, it's a 9 a.m. Uh, at least for me, 9 a.m. start. Uh, I guess it'll be 11 a.m. for you, noon for the the East Coast kids. Uh, but Illinois is minus two right now, so that number's out there. And you could, if you like Illinois, you can get minus two. Yeah, I, you know, I, I might play that. Um, I think Purdue is is really good, um, and I, this is not a slight to them whatsoever. I do think that they've had some patches of inconsistency and um, really haven't had the hardest kind of run of games uh, most recently. So um, I think that there's. There was a, a feeling for a while in Purdue getting their first number one ranking in program history, I think, was was pretty pretty cool for them. And, and uh, they kind of took a nosedive after that with the loss at Rutgers. Um, but I, I think Illinois is going to struggle a little bit on the interior, which isn't a, a thing that they're used to. Um, but I just I feel like two is a pretty short number. Even the A.J. Swami projection of three still feels a little bit short on what should be a great home environment uh, and a team that should make a bunch of threes. 
I wonder if the Purdue has fallen to the wayside thing is a bit of an overreaction because they've still lost. They've only lost two games. The game you mentioned at Rutgers, a two-point loss on the road. Listen, road Big Ten losses happen. And then they got beat at home by Wisconsin. But, I mean, this is still a team that's won games against North Carolina and Villanova and Iowa and Florida State. Like, they've they've got some quality wins. They just went to Penn State and got a road win there. Um, These teams are very similar. I mean, they both – like, both teams, I think, are going to have a hard time – because typically the, the way these teams operate is if you can slow down the interior guys, the shooters are going to eat you up. And that's going to be the case for both of these teams. So it is like who's going to win the matchup inside? I, I don't know. I, I think this game is going to come down to who hits the jump shots. And, you know, I, I was listening on the radio to the uh, the Michigan-Illinois game. And, you know, we talked about that on our last pod and it it was seven and a half jumped straight to 10. And we were like, who's out? What's happening? Well, it turns out uh, it was Hunter Dickinson and Brandon Johns and Hunter Dickinson was the guy like if he was out, there was no way to bet Michigan. And but Michigan hung with them for probably about 35 minutes. They were right in that game. And then Coburn eventually took over the game. He finished with 21 and 10. The Illini pulled away, covered every number one by 15. But I, I I think that this Illinois team is maybe showed some chinks in the armor to me. Um, Purdue, their their players were actually quoted as saying like after after the Wisconsin loss, people were saying they just weren't any good, and they said the last two games they've just gone out and looked to to make a statement. And poor Nebraska, who. You know, when Nebraska goes to your house in Big Ten play, it's probably going to be bad anyway. But Purdue made it really bad for Nebraska. Uh, I, I think this these teams are a lot. They're a lot. They're a lot closer than you would probably want to admit. I, I guess I lean Illinois at the short number, but I think this is just going to be a game where I sit back and watch and see see who's who's better between these two teams because I, I think they really are kind of mirror images of each other. I mean, I. I Never a bad thing. Um, you know, watching a movie is always fun too. You don't have to have a, a sweat on it for sure. Uh, I just think when you're looking at comparing these two teams, I do agree that they're very similar. Um, but based on where the game's being played, I think that Illinois has a pretty significant advantage in terms of making three-point shots. Uh, certainly something that Purdue could do on the road here, but I feel like the program in general, Purdue has had some really good three-point shooting teams. And it just seems to be something where they're always so good at Mackey at home. Uh, but it's never really to that level. And that's why they murder teams like Nebraska, because they can really go on big, big runs. And I just don't see that with them on the road as often. Uh, it's certainly new new year, uh, new roster, uh, I guess, relatively, because I think they retained everybody from the, the season before. Uh, but certainly as, as more experience is added and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I think Illinois are more likely to make three pointers. And I think that they should be priced above a possession. All right, let's go to the ACC and. Oddly enough, a team we haven't talked about that much, and then another team that I think we talked about in the first podcast and haven't spoken of since, uh, Duke, who you would think we'd talk almost every week. We just haven't. I guess the ACC being bad doesn't help. Uh, We're going to project them about four-point favorites at Florida State, who when we talked about them in their first game, they were playing against Florida, and we said, Florida State never loses to Florida, and then they did. Well, now I'm going to say this. Duke never loses to Florida State. They, they've won nine out of ten in this series. And while Duke isn't exactly peak Duke right now, 
this might be the worst Florida State team since like 2015. Like the the athleticism that usually kind of describes Leonard Hamilton teams just isn't there. And it's kind of hard to say what Florida State's really good at. Uh, I, I don't know what their real strength is. They're, they're outside the top 300 or top 200 in defending three-pointers. And Duke shoots effectively from outside, but not with a bunch of volume. So you think, well, Florida State must just be shutting it down inside. Well, no, they're giving up a ton inside. Outside the top 300 in point distribution allowed from two-pointers. This is Duke playing just their third true road game, so I'm not sure if I want to jump on them. They're one and one straight up in those games. But I certainly, given the track record between Coach K and and Leonard Hamilton, I I certainly can't find a reason to look at the Knowles here. What do you see? Yeah, um, I've, you know... We can say a lot of negative things about this version of Florida State. Um, unfortunately, they've absolutely kicked me in the teeth twice uh, over the last, I feel like, two weekends or weeks. Um, they've really struggled to score the basketball. I think three-point shooting is a problem for this team while they've just canned them in my face, um, unfortunately, at Syracuse this weekend. Uh, I think we're shooting over 50% from three and also did the same thing to Louisville. Uh, I think it was last Saturday as well. So it hasn't been great for me so far. Uh, But I think what you're pointing to is a Florida State team that's not, I mean, the jump to the program level that they got to is really incredible from where they were. Um, Still a really good team, but I think they're going to struggle with Duke, especially with Malik Osborne, who missed uh, this weekend's game. Uh, was announced out like right at the game as it tipped off, of course. But they still ended up winning because they shot so well from three. A uh, little bit different, though, because they're not going to be lining up against the Syracuse zone here that is basically daring threes. Uh, and I think Duke, one thing I've been most impressed with them is really their athleticism and, and how they use it to play really, really tough defense. I think um, in watching them, certainly the schedule has been easier for Duke, I think, than, than normal. And the ACC, as you mentioned, is, is fairly down compared to what it usually is. Uh, but Duke seems to be a team that, like we know coach K is going to get a ton of calls and we know that he's going to put his team in a position where they're never in a, in, out of a game really, no matter how bad the first half goes, there's always a half time adjustment and they play a lot better. Uh, but I'm not even sure that happens here. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking for reasons to go against road favorites. Cause I feel like that's the, one of the easier places with, with crowds this season uh, in full effect to, to try to make money. I just don't know that Florida state is going to be one of those places. Cause Duke is used to getting that um, everywhere they go. And I think the Duke program just speaks to kind of what they are, that they were pretty bad last year uh, and especially bad by Duke standards. But they have a lot of great athletes, a lot of great players. And I don't know how anyone can stop Paolo Boncaro like uh, that. He's awesome. And really, like the shots that he makes, the shots that he takes seem bad, but he makes them all. So I don't even know if they're bad shots. You know, this is one of those situations where we think, like I was just saying, what nine out of the last 10 Duke has beat Florida State. And in a lot of those, like the the athletes have been maybe not equal, but not miles apart. In this game, it just feels like they're miles apart. So I, I'm with you. Like I, I, it just feels like this this situation. Like this is a game that that Coach K just wins, and four is a, a a big number on the road, especially for a team that hasn't played much on the road. I mean, it's mid January, and it's their third road game. That that's absurd. So Coach K doesn't prepare his team for these situations, but I, I feel like they're a lot more talented. I, it's just I can't find a reason to, to look at, at Florida State. So uh, it, it's Duke or pass for me. Yeah, you know, it's I've just kind of learned in this game, certainly there are plenty of road favorites that are underpriced because they're playing in someone else's gym. 
uh, I just, I don't, I'm trying to find ways to stick up for the Knolls right now. And I just, I don't know, especially off a good three point shooting performance, uh, on the road at the carrier dome, uh, quick turnaround to then a home game for Duke. And I, I would be surprised if they were able to put up that same type of thing again. All right, let's look at another road favorite, the USC Trojans minus three at Colorado, the Trojans. They started off hot, a 13-0 and start. Now they've lost two out of their last three, and they make arguably the toughest road trip in the Pac-12. Colorado's built a pretty nice record up against inferior competition. Uh, all their losses come against the good teams they play, 0-3 against top 50 teams. And I guess my thought with USC is USC, I think, is kind of a lesser version of Arizona. They're like Arizona without the ability to score 100 points. Um, But the Buffs just can't shoot from outside. And that's a problem. If they couldn't, they couldn't get any offense going inside against Arizona. USC is elite defensively on the interior. So unless Colorado starts to find a shot, I think it's going to have a hard time getting any offense going. On the other side, USC, that Stanford loss is really alarming because you talk about road environments. There were no fans. It was like the most sterile road environment you're ever going to see. Stanford didn't let anybody in the building. So it was just USC playing Stanford in an empty gym. And with superior talent, they lost that game. So I just don't know if Colorado has the tools to beat the Trojans because I, I, I just don't see how they make any shots from outside. What do you think? Um, as a future ticket holder on USC to win the national championship. Uh, it's been a tough week or so, uh, I gotta say. Um, I want to blame some of it on uh, the COVID pause, but I don't know that that's telling the whole story. Um, I'm, I think we were always concerned about USC and their guard play because they seem to just be a bunch of giants that they put on the court at the same time. Uh, and that looks really good defensively from time to time. But you mentioned the Stanford loss. Stanford seems to be a team that really struggles with pressure. And I'm and USC were in really good position, as you mentioned, the like ghost game they were playing basically with nobody in, in, in the gym. Um, I think maybe some family members that might have been it. Um, but, you know, I think USC just they, they kind of struggled with Oregon State as well, pulled away late. Um, not sure they're that impressive with Cal. So uh, I played the future based on seeing them with a pretty like easy looking schedule that could get them some some notoriety and. and Hopefully, I and I think it, it worked out was was run up the uh, the charts and try to get as uh, high of a ranking as possible in the polls and then potentially with an easier Pac-12 to run through. Um, but I'm not sure that I feel as good about them as I did. I mean, they're a long shot, so we're not expecting like too much from them. Uh, but they got off to a great start and something looks like it's missing. I don't know. It just seems like they're not as um, they're not the fighters that I was really expecting. And maybe that's something that will come later in the year. But I, I feel like it's hard to turn that switch. You know, and it's funny that the Oregon loss too. I, if you'd asked me a week ago, I, I wouldn't have given you a dollar for Oregon. I, I, they're supposed to be a defensive team that can't play defense. They, they just look terrible to me. And then now they've run off three straight road wins in conference including wins over UCLA and USC. So maybe they're not as crappy as I thought they were, but I mean, USC losing to them at home by 10 points. Woof. Uh, I guess this just boils down to, do you think Colorado has anything on? I mean, Colorado's best win this year is probably Stanford. They, they just, they played a really, really soft non-conference schedule. Um, you know, they, they didn't 
they, they, they didn't go on the road once during non-con. So they, they were trying to build up what they were doing too. I, I wonder if this is just one of those examples of them running into a superior team. As you know, I played Arizona. My, I tried your first half strategy and it bit me in the ass with Arizona against Colorado the other night. Uh, who, but Arizona pulled away late, won by 21 points, and it was just because Colorado just couldn't make any shots and Arizona wouldn't give them anything easy. I think you're going to see a similar thing here. I, f- again, forced to play, it'll be it'll be USC for me. Yeah, I mean, you can see it from Colorado's stat page pretty quickly. Uh, they try not to shoot threes, and so they're going to try to go inside against a really maybe the tallest team in the country world. I don't know, even if you consider the NBA. Um, I don't really like that matchup very well for, for Colorado, for, for sure. Um, I think this is a game, though, that USC needs to really show who they are because it has not been a pretty picture that they've been painting recently. Uh, and you mentioned the, the, the road trip to Colorado and Utah being like so, so difficult for the Pac-12 teams, visitors, maybe because of altitude or, or myriad reasons. But um, it's, it's something where USC should be motivated, should be looking to try to make a statement uh, to get out to an early lead and not have to worry about potentially salting the game away because it clearly didn't work at, at Stanford. And uh, they, they let Oregon make too many shots. I think you're, you're right on it, though, that Colorado is probably not going to make a, enough perimeter shots uh, to, to win here. But ultimately, I think based on how USC has kind of been sliding by and really not playing very well ever since their COVID pause, uh, I think I'm interested in, in Colorado. I just don't know that I believe that they're going to be able to make the shots that you're that they're going to need to make. Well, I'll give you a big, healthy road underdog here. Marquette plus 12 at Villanova. The problem is if you want road Marquette, you've got to fade home Villanova, which might be the most dominant thing going right now. Six home games, they are 6-0 and by a margin of just under 30 points per game. And before you say, oh, well, they probably just played a, a crumb bum schedule and didn't play anybody. Well, they're three and zero in Big Big East play by that same margin, by just under thirty points per game. And Marquette's played well of late. You know, they they had that run where they lost five out of six, and it was like, uh oh, is is are things falling apart there? But three, they've won three out of four now. All or no, they've won four straight. Three of those wins came at home. The lone road win being at Georgetown, and Georgetown just stinks. That doesn't give you anything. But it's it's hard to remember. It's it's hard to. Or it's easy to forget, I guess, that Marquette has a win over Illinois this season. Granted, that was like Kofi's first game back. Uh, and then they just got a win over Seton Hall. It's a, a really quality win. I think Marquette's going to be a tough team to blow out. I, I don't know. We talked about this off air about big balls plays. I don't know if I have the balls to step in front of Nova here. But this feels to me like a game Marquette can kind of hang around in. What do you think? Um. I, I, I'm like going to fight the temptation to be very brief on this one and say, no, I do not have the big balls to play against uh, <laughs> Villanova at home with a shock of smart offense. Um, but I will elaborate that for, for you and the good people out there. Um, I think Villanova is one of the scariest teams at home. I think they're a little bit weaker on the road than they had been in the past where they're pretty much uh, the Fortune 500 company that John Rothstein calls them, which is ridiculous, but I'll, I'll leave that to the side. Um, and it's, it's to me, Villanova is built to really crush teams because they shoot the three so well. It's such a big part of their offense. And I think that that's going to be something that Marquette, like Shaka's idea to really, I, I think, 
when things aren't going well is to use the press, which he did use a little bit more in first halves than I was expecting when I've watched them this year. Um, but if that's going to mean open shots for Villanova, I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. Um, I've certainly fallen in love with teams getting double digit points, which should cover all the fouling. And basically you just need to hang around for the whole game and st- stay within touching distance. Uh, but Villanova making threes late, late in the clock, uh, when Marquette's going to be throwing up shots, trying to score as much as possible to come back in the game, um, certainly could hang. Press could bother could bother Villanova, but I feel like with a veteran point guard like Gillespie, I, I just I don't see a, a situation where I'm going to feel comfortable uh, in the last few minutes with a cover. Now, certainly, big number above ten uh, would would certainly catch my eye a little bit. Uh, I've, I've honestly, I think I've learned the hard way that going against Villanova in their own gym on the pavilion or in Philly, wherever they're playing uh, is a scary thing. If it says Villanova on the court, no doubt. And that is the, the decision that everybody's going to have to make. Uh, Cause even if it feels safe at Villanova, it's, it's rarely safe. All right, let's get into best bets. And mine, is, I'm digging deep into the big South. How about that? I'm going to oh, go yeah. with Winthrop minus two at Presbyterian. And let's start with the fact that these two schools are just 65 miles apart. So it's not like it's a tough road trip for Winthrop. And they have dominated this series historically. They've won 15 of the last 16, including going 2-0 on the road road last season when the Big South scheduling had them doing the back-to-back nights in the same location. They won both those games there. And obviously, this is a different Winthrop team without Pat Kelsey. But I feel like they're still undervalued. They played a tough non-conference schedule. They're a really good shooting team. Their tempo is hard to deal with. They're the 40th ranked three-point shooting team in the country and Presbyterian's bottom five nationally in defending the three-point arc. Presbyterian doesn't have a D1 win since the day after Thanksgiving. So it's been it's been a minute for them. And Winthrop, is, they've looked rusty in their last three games back from the COVID pause, but they've gone 3-0. I had a loser on them, uh, not from the podcast, but I had a loser uh, it just in my personal life uh, with Charles. I bet them against Charleston Southern. I thought, oh, they'll run it up on Charleston Southern, and they let Charleston Southern back in late. But they, that was them playing three games in five days. They'll now have a full break between Saturday and Wednesday. I expect we see the best version of Winthrop here. I'm going to go Winthrop minus two at Presbyterian for my best bet. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I watched Winthrop play at Vanderbilt earlier in the year, and I thought that that was just a little bit of an athlete uh, discrepancy and stopping Scotty Pippen Jr. was really tough for him. But um, they it feels like they win that conference every year. And uh, they were a couple three-point shots away from, from really giving v- Vanderbilt a game. Plus, I think they'll probably get more than like four combined minutes from their big man and like player of the year in the conference, I think from a couple seasons ago, because he was in foul trouble in that one. Um, But I'm going to go with the Syracuse orange. They're hosting Clemson. Uh, I believe this is a a game on Tuesday night. Uh, AJ projected two, uh, but I'll play it all the way up to to minus three. Um, And to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable this season of even going up to that minus four number. Uh, Everyone make your own choices, but I try to keep my, my numbers as close to a possession or less as possible. 
um, and sometimes take a little bit of risk with some COVID or injury notes coming in last minute uh, by locking in something early so I don't lose the minus three or, or what have you. But anyway, so why I'm taking Syracuse. Uh, tough result this weekend. Watched them uh, against Florida State, and I feel like they were very close to winning that game, uh, but for FSU just had a really unconscious shooting night, um, which is going to happen against a 2-3 zone, which is kind of morphed into a 1-3-1, or maybe it's just not a very good zone and they don't know where to be, um, which is a little bit of a concern for me considering Clemson has some pretty good three-point shooting numbers coming into the season uh, or coming into this game. I just I think Clemson is, is they had a, a decent start to the season um, without a lot of good wins, and they're trending in the wrong direction right now. I've lost three of four, including at home to Boston College on Saturday, and now have to go and travel up to the Carrier Dome, um, which is not going to be an easy trip. And I think a lot of what Clemson is built to do is invert their offense because they have some decent um, uh, three-point shooters, uh, big guys, that usually they can take a – uh, a big man from the other team out to the perimeter and they don't really, they're not as comfortable outside. Uh, but Syracuse is going to throw the zone at them and that's going to be uh, exactly what they're going to see for 40 minutes. And that's what Syracuse is used to. I think they'll extend out further and try to make uh, Clemson take some shots inside the the key. And that's going to be tough for Clemson. And I just feel like this number is short. I, I think it's, it's probably, it's reasonable because Syracuse has not been having a great season. Um, but I, I just think that they're going to try to outshoot Syracuse at the dome. And I don't see that happening or going well for the visitor two games in a row. Yeah. I, I don't have any argument there sp- specifically about Clemson trying to go in there and, and outshoot Syracuse. That's not going to work out well for him. I don't think, although a much better three point shooting team Clemson this year than what we saw last year and like they've they're up there now I think top 15 they're actually 15th nationally in three-point percentage so they can shoot it a little bit but again the question will be how how well does that travel uh they've got a a couple solid ACC road wins uh they they beat Virginia they beat North Carolina State uh away from home but then they lost to Notre Dame lost to Miami on the road uh, lost to a, a Rutgers team on the road that's just not very good. So um, I, I'm with you on this. I, I, I'm kind of turned off to this Clemson team right now. Syracuse not usually a team that I want to have on my card, <laughs> but if I if Me I had either. to choose a side in this one, that's the side I'd have to go. Yeah, uh, I was looking at my history. is not a beautiful one with Syracuse, but I think there's one, they're one of those teams that um, – I think this year especially, uh, they can really run away from teams. They haven't been able to do that because they haven't been able to get enough stops uh, recently. Uh, I just I feel like Clemson now finally can make shots, but their defense just doesn't seem to be what it has been the last few seasons. And I feel like that's the give and take. Is rarely are you uh, going to build a great offense out of a, of a great defense. Usually you're, you're kind of sacrificing one for another. So we'll see. Uh, I just hope that the Carrier Dome is going to be as, as loud as it can be. Uh, Syracuse certainly needs it because they haven't gotten off to the great start, but I think that's why the number is a little, lo- little lower than I would make it. All right, that will do it for another episode of the Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. Griffin, appreciate it as always. Great job, great preparation, and hopefully we get some uh, some results going our way here. Brad in the back, appreciate you, and thanks to everybody who's been listening. Please subscribe, listen to all the pods, whatever sport you're into. Uh, Mackenzie Rivers is doing a great NBA pod. Uh, we've got a great golf pod as well. And of course we do the big dream pod every Wednesday. So thanks for hanging with us and we will talk to you guys later on this week.